the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God is still speaking. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life, cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him? And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, None of you who are unwilling to give up all your possessions can be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will it become salty again? It has no value, neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. People throw it away. Whoever has ears to hear should pay attention. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Journeying with Jesus, step by step from town to town, makes for a lot of time on your hands. You can only listen to parables or teachings about God's kingdom for so long. Eventually, you'll need to take a break, maybe play a few road games, like... I spy with my little eye something green. Or alpha on that billboard and on that road sign, beta. Or would you rather have your hair cover your entire body or be completely hairless, head to toe? On long drives to high school marching band competitions, or across state lines for mission trips, games of would-you-rather were inevitable and silly. 
we would poll each other with questions like, would you rather turn bright purple every time you got nervous or sweat through all of your clothing? Or would you always, would you rather always be itchy or always have chapped lips? Hmm. The choices are supposed to be impossible. And as long as they're lighthearted, the game is fun. That's why no one ever asks, would you rather hate your family, give up your possessions, and carry the cross? Or would you rather live a comfortable life and not follow Jesus? Ugh, give me a break. Better go back to I Spy. This summer, we have journeyed with Jesus to Jerusalem, where his destiny awaits. Along the way, we've wrestled with his teachings, teachings about leaving the past behind and taking risks, teachings about distraction and worry, wisdom like where your heart is, there your treasure is also, and unlikely advice like when you throw a party, invite blind beggars who can't repay you. We have heard Jesus stress the urgency of the kingdom. It can't wait for you to say goodbye to mom and dad, or even to bury your dead. And now this business about carrying the cross? Come on, Jesus, are you trying to shake us off or what? It brings to mind those immortal words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian, and a martyr in the cause of resisting the Nazis. When Christ calls disciples, Bonhoeffer wrote, he bids them, come and die. True, come and die is not a great PR slogan, but it is a mystery, inviting us into the heart of what God is doing in the world. But before we dig into that mystery, it's helpful to clear up what God is not doing in the world, what Jesus is not saying when he speaks about people carrying their own crosses. Maybe you've heard this too. Someone describing a, a challenge that they're facing, sighing, saying, I guess it's my cross to bear. Somewhere along the line, the, the apostles' encouragement to wait patiently for Christ's return when suffering for the sake of the gospel got watered down. Christians took the wisdom of endurance and turned it into a lesson about not making a fuss, keeping a stiff upper lip, and accepting hardship. When women in abusive marriages came to their pastors and neighbors looking for help, they were turned away and told that broken bones and broken spirits were their cross to bear. That was a sin. That is a sin, an act of evil, a deviation from God's dream for the world. Over the centuries, Christians from the Pope on down have reasoned that since Jesus suffered on the cross, the best way to know Jesus is to suffer too. 
It's a convenient way to think because it doesn't require anything to change. What, you don't like suffering? I guess you think that you're better than Jesus, huh? You'd better adjust your attitude and let the world go on being a garbage fire. Just wait for your heavenly reward. Folks, the cross is not an abusive relationship. It is not crushing medical debt. It is not a symbol for whatever frustrates us or weighs us down or annoys us. The cross that Jesus literally bore, carried up to Calvary, was a tool of terror, an instrument of execution. Jesus didn't carry the cross to prove that patient suffering is a virtue or that it earns God's love. Jesus carried the cross because he is God's love. For God so loved the world. Remember that? God so loved the world that in order to save it, God became a part of it. In Jesus Christ, God's love wears flesh and bone. In Jesus Christ, God's love breathes and eats and sweats and bleeds. On Jesus' lips, the love of God sounds like a new dream for the world, a kingdom where the poor and disabled are lifted up, a kingdom where the hungry have enough to eat, but those who hoard their wealth eat in darkness. On the road to Jerusalem, love incarnate taught people about a kingdom where God rules, not Caesar. That kind of message stirred people up. It could spark a demand for change. And that's dangerous. That's why Pontius Pilate decided to quiet things down by nailing God's love to a cross to suffocate and die. Jesus bore the cross because God loves us to the bitter end. Even at our worst, God loves us. Even when we crucify love. When Jesus tells us that no one can be his disciple if they are unwilling to bear their cross, he is saying no one who wants to love God above all else can do that without getting into a little trouble. No one who wants to love God above else with all your heart and soul and mind. No one who wants to love God and love neighbor as themselves can do so without taking a few risks. Love is not the same as safety. I first learned that in the fourth grade, although I've been relearning it time and time again. That year, Mr. Svoboda read to us from Lewis Sacker's Wayside School series. Maybe you're familiar with Wayside School. It was supposed to be one story with 21 classrooms, 
But the architect got confused and instead designed a school that was 21 stories high, one classroom per story. Like the kingdom of God, Wayside School is an unpredictable place, and that's where I learned Myron's story. At his desk, Myron stares out the classroom window, wishing he were as free as the birds flying outside. One day, when the bell rang to signal the end of recess, he broke with the norm, heading down to explore the school basement instead of returning to his desk on the 21st story. Unusual things happen at Wayside School, so you might not be too surprised to hear that in the dark, damp basement, Myron encountered three men wearing business suits, and they had a question for him. Do you want to be safe, or do you want to be free? Huh? asked Myron. Do you want to be safe? asked one of the men with a mustache. Do you want to sit at the same chair every day and go up and down the stairs every time the bell rings? You'll have to go to school five days a week, said the other man with a mustache, and you'll have to go to bed at the same time every day. But first you'll have to brush your teeth, and you won't be allowed to watch TV until your homework is finished. You'll have to go inside when it rains, but first you'll have to wipe your feet. Or you can be free, said the bald man. The man took a pencil and a piece of paper out of his attache case. So, do you want to be safe, or do you want to be free? Myron looked at the three men. I want to be free, he said bravely. He signed a piece of paper. The piece of paper went back into the attache case. Okay, the men said, you're free. Good luck. People of God, would you rather be safe or be free? The Holy One has set before us life and death, blessing and curse, but choosing life doesn't mean we get to check out burying our toes in the sand and maybe our heads, too. Choosing life is a deeper freedom. It means loving God more than loving our ordinary, orderly lives. Choosing life is a more expansive freedom. It involves loving the people whom God loves, a broad category encompassing every human being, including enemies including the people we're taught to ignore. But the reverse, oh, the reverse is also true. Choosing love means choosing life. Choosing to love God and to pursue God's kingdom means that we get to live like no one else. Choosing love means saying yes to the invitation God sent out. Come to my feast. There's more than enough room at the table. Choosing love means choosing life lived to the fullest, 
not life as defined by the expectations of family or church or state. It's not safe, but it is sweet freedom, a life flavored by the salt of the gospel. Shane Claiborne tasted that incomparable grace when he worked alongside Mother Teresa in the slums of Kolkata in India. When he returned to the United States, he knew that loving God and neighbor demanded a different way of life. So he and some friends founded The Simple Way, a community of Jesus followers in Philadelphia. Claiborne writes about the daily disciplines of discipleship, to choose love in Jesus' name, even though it isn't safe. One time on his way to the post office, a group of teenage boys started following Claiborne and a neighborhood kid, Kasim, down a narrow side street. It's always hard on the spot like that to know what Jesus would do, Claiborne admitted, but he was intent on choosing love over fight or flight. Before we knew it, the teenagers rushed us, throwing rocks and bottles. Kasim and I turned around to face them, and suddenly one of them had clocked Kasim on the side of the head with a stick. I said firmly, why would you do that? We haven't done anything to hurt you. They laughed. Then they started hitting me with a broomstick they had grabbed out of a trash can until it broke over my back. At this point, Claiborne says, I decided to bust out a can of holy anger. I looked them in the eyes and I said as forcefully as I could, you are created in the image of God, every single one of you. And you were made for something better than this. Kasim and I are followers of Jesus, and we do not fight. But we will love you, no matter what you do. That wasn't exactly the response they expected or hoped for, they looked at each other, startled, quiet, for the first time, and then they scurried off in every direction. I'll never forget what Kasim said afterward. Shane, why am I taking boxing lessons? I asked Kasim what he thought would have happened if he had chosen to fight. It would have been ugly, he said. They might have been bloody, and we probably would have been real bloody. Claiborne's story radiates with gospel freedom. And, personally, it makes me a little uncomfortable. I wonder if it's fair to ask an 11-year-old Kasim to take on such a risk. But if it's not, then what on earth are we doing confirming middle schoolers in the Christian faith? Regardless of whether we're 11 or 18 or 51 or 80, we choose daily 
whether to follow Jesus in risky ways, to choose love when it isn't safe. Every day, whether we've been disciples for a year or a lifetime, we choose whether to carry our crosses, to suffer for loving the kingdom of God more than the kingdoms we live in. From Sunday to Monday and Sunday again, we can choose to break bread with Jesus and eat shoulder to shoulder with the neighbors Jesus has given us to love. Friends, I encourage you, pull up a chair to God's table and choose life. Fill up your plate and make sure that your neighbor has enough to eat as well because the journey of discipleship is hard. But it is good, and we do not make it alone. Jesus goes with us. The human heart of God still beats among us. Jesus gives us grace every day. For such grace, sweet grace, liberating grace, amazing grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to the one in three, the three in one, God most mighty, most merciful, most wise. Amen.